Sport on on SAFM. Hey, five minutes past seven on SFM, South Africa's uh, news and information leader. This is Sport On. I'm Dwayne DeLocker, standing in for Tabi Sotmusia until Monday. And tonight, I've got to start off by wishing everybody Happy Women's Month. Yes, Happy Women's Month. A brand new month and a month in which we celebrate women, the legacy of women. And tonight in particular, we're going to be celebrating the legacy of an extraordinary, forward-thinking, pioneering, pioneering woman. But uh, I'll give you more uh, hints and clues as to who we're going to be chatting about and who we're going to be talking to in studio and over the phone in just a few minutes' time. I do want to get into a few quick headlines for you, and we're going to be chatting to Natalie Germanos in a couple of minutes to give us uh, a clearer insight into how South Africa beat Sri Lanka in the second one international. In fact, that's the lead headline today is the fact that South Africa claimed a four-wicket win over Sri Lanka in the second one international in Dambula. Football news, I can tell you Orlando Pirates have enlisted the services of a finishing specialist from France as they further beef up their technical team ahead of the 2018-2019 season. The Buccaneers confirming today the appointment of Stéphane Adam, a Frenchman, as a replacement for uh, former assistant coach Benson Klongo, who left to join newly promoted first division side TS Sporting. Same with football, Bidvestwitz have signed uh, powerful left-back Lechlono Lononyane from uh, Golden Arrows, a 31-year-old who has a five uh, five Bafana caps to his name, penned a one-year deal, but an option of another year to renew. And Cape Town City have confirmed Tamsangam Kize will captain the team this season. Kize takes over the role from veteran defender Robin Johannes, who moved to Bidvestwitz in the off-season. Springbok captain uh, Siokulisi's uh, rather historic first test in charge of South Africa has been selected as the July Laureus Sporting Moment of the Month after a vote by thousands of fans across the world. And uh, athletics news, disappointment for um, many South African athletes. The start of the African Track and Field Championships in Nigeria has been delayed after hundreds of athletes were left stranded in an airport, some for three days as they waited for a connecting flight to the host city. Among the stranded athletes are South Africa's 800-meter Olympic and world champion, Kasta Semenya, and long jump world champion, uh, Luvo Manyonga. I can tell you as well that uh, aside from anything else, that Jeremy Brockie is threatening to uh, score goals this season for Mamelodi Sundowns and that New Zealand have snubbed the request to tour Pakistan for the first time since 2003, citing security concerns. That's in cricket. Uh, Banyana Banyana coach Desiree Ellis as well, though, has announced a squad of 29 players for a training camp to prepare for the upcoming 2018 Kosafa Women's Championship, which will be hosted by South Africa starting at the end of this Women's Month. So, straight into the cricket news we go. Uh, South Africa claiming that four we could win over Sri Lanka in the second ODI in Dambula to take a 2-0 series lead in the five-match series. Cricket correspondent, uh, cricketer, cricket coach, cricket commentator, and uh, insightful and, well, opinionated in a good way. Natalie Germanis is on the line. Natalie, good to chat to you again. Hello. Thank Natalie? you very much, Dwayne. Good to chat to you too. Uh, yes, I lost you for a moment, but uh, good, good to have you on. Uh, let's talk about today's game. A little less uh, convincing result, I suppose, in the first one-day international, but uh, I thought fairly convincing regardless and plenty of positives, including a very, very solid opening partnership. Yeah, only less convincing, of course, because they were obviously chasing a slightly bigger total and they had a little bit less overs to spare at the end. But when you're chasing around 250 and you've still got seven overs to Mm. spare, that's a pretty convincing victory. I I think South Africa will be pretty happy. It's not perfect yet, and they will tell you that, because there were still one or two mishaps in the field, not as bad as the first one-day international. And also a couple of wickets where you would say maybe the shot selection wasn't great. But all in all, it's been a very good start to the one-day series for South Africa. As much as the, the conditions suit them, they've still used it to their advantage. Um, definitely a very good opening partnership. That's something South Africa will hope that they can mm. carry on into the rest of the series, into, of course, the home series and the World Cup next year, because an opening partnership is going to be crucial for the success at the World Cup for sure. Yeah, that's, that, that is the key, isn't it? Because uh, South Africa looking at, at this as part of the build-up to that 2019 World Cup. And I, I'm a bit concerned about the the fact that we might not be batting all the way down to number 10 or 11. I, I'm not convinced this tail is going to give us too many runs. So the top order and middle order do need to come good. Do, do you have any concerns about that and, and how they might uh, change it leading up to 2019? Well, I mean, if you, look, if you have a look at it, where Andile Pechlequayo is coming in, he's actually played quite nicely when he's come in, and he's come in pretty low um, from South Africa's point of view. He's coming in at around eight or nine. Is that 
batting deep enough, while mm. the question, of course, will still remain. But the likes of Chris Morris is still back home. South Africa are trying a few different combinations in this series to see how it all will work. And if it is going to work with the likes of J.P. Dermany finding form, Fafdiv Vassi has certainly found form as well. Um, I don't think it's actually going to matter too much. I don't think they're going to have to bat that deep. As long as they've got players like an Andile Pechlokwai or even a, a Vian Mulder, who is still, of course, very new to the format, if they've got them, they can certainly score runs at a decent rate and also hold up an end when need be. I don't think that they would have anything to be concerned about. Yeah, I was a bit, a bit concerned they were watching England-India uh, series. I think that was what made me think about the tail because I- England in particular, virtually batting all the way down to number 11, which, uh, which makes them a very dangerous side with, with, uh, with, uh, with bats in hand. Um, but in terms of, in terms of uh, South Africa now, 2-0 up in a five-match series against Sri Lanka, having been disastrous in a test uh, series, what are they looking for in the next two one-day internationals as they move on to, to Palakele? Well, this is the issue, is that they have to look at now, reassess conditions, because they, they're going to be playing a day game on Sunday and then the day-night game at the same stadium. Mm. Now, 300 has been scored, over, I think it's three times at that stadium before, so there has been some big scores um, actually made at the stadium, but the last couple of times that South Africa have been there, Sri Lanka have beat them pretty easy. It doesn't really matter whether you're batting first or bowling Mm. first, because if you look at the record, it's almost even whether you bat first or bowl first, so that's not so much the issue. But it's now just reassessing the conditions, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a more spin-friendly wicket, because these two wickets that we've seen in these first two one-day internationals, the first one had a lot of pace and bounce, which suited South Africa, and this wicket was a nice wicket to bat on, but it certainly didn't have a lot of turn, which doesn't suit Sri Lanka. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a couple of turners coming in the next couple of days. So that's something that South Africa will have to reassess and obviously be able to adapt to. Well, I certainly hope that they're going to be able to pull at least a one-day international series victory out of the bag here after that disastrous uh, 2-0 test series defeat against Sri Lanka. But uh, Natalie Jamanis, thanks for all your insights and opinions, and I look forward to hearing more from you as the series continues. Thank you. Thanks, Dwayne. Leading Sport Stories of the Day on SAFM. 30 minutes past 7 on SAFM. South Africa's news and information leader, Dwayne DeLocken for Tabesa Musia tonight. Twitter at SAFM Radio, hashtag SAFM Sport On. You can email sport at sfm.co.za. You can call us 089 SMS 40938. WhatsApp 0614104107. Use hashtag SAFM Sport On. On. We're going to be talking about uh, plenty tonight on uh, one topic in particular. Now, it is Women's Month and we're celebrating the legacy of uh, one of the most pioneering women internationally. The founder of the Special Olympics, Eunice Kennedy Shriver, uh, celebrated the birthday. We would have been, gee, man, wow, on the 20th of July. Uh, founder of the Special Olympics and uh, Special Olympics believe it or not, founded in 1968, turned 50 just over a week ago. And I want to look back at an organization that's done some remarkable things in changing perceptions and improving lives of uh, people with intellectual disabilities. And I'm delighted to say we're going to be chatting to four people tonight who can give us greater insights into Special Olympics and the remarkable work that's being done. And three are in studio. And uh, let me welcome, in order of appearance, Ansela uh, <laughs> <Anselis> Smith. <laughs> it's, uh, it's lovely to have you here, the CEO of Special Olympics South Africa. Thank you. Thanks, Dwayne. Uh, we have uh, Romy Reinecke as well. Um, uh, Romy, very important uh, voice uh, from... Um, from Marketing and Communications for Special Olympics Africa region. Thank you for joining us in the studio. And uh, a man who has done it all as an athlete, a football official, uh, a staff member. Uh, and, uh, he's pretty much everything. Jimmy Massina, it's great to have you here. Oh, thank you. And uh, we're going to be chatting as well to uh, Charles Nyambe in a short while, a man who serves as President and Managing Director of Special Olympics. He's going to be joining us on the line from Namibia in a short while. But let's start off, Remy. I think maybe this is something that you can tackle. Um, Eunice Kennedy Shriver, founder of the Special Olympic Games. I mean, when she started this, there were a handful of people literally in her backyard. And she said boldly, there will be a million people participating in the future someday. As it stands, there are over 5 million Special Olympics athletes around the world. But just give us an idea of a sort of brief history and, and the numbers. I mean, it's, it's nearly 200 countries that Special Olympics reaches. 
Absolutely. It's an incredibly rich uh, history that we look back on over the last 50 years. And as you say, it is completely pioneered by the unbreakable spirit of one woman, Eunice Kennedy Shriver, who in her turn was very much inspired by her sister, Rosemary, mm. who, um, who, who had intellectual disabilities. And um, growing up uh, in, in that era, in, in the early 1900s in America, there was just nothing for her sister. That was something that her mother used to hang up the phone after calling schools, after calling hospitals, uh, service centers, saying there's nothing for Rosemary. And um, Eunice Kennedy Shriver was the kind of activist that decided that was unacceptable and committed her life to changing um, changing society and to ending discrimination for people with intellectual disabilities. And uh, that's the message of Special Olympics, and that's why we're still here 50 years later, thank you, thanks to her legacy. Jimmy, I, I want to speak to you as an athlete and somebody who's been involved with the Special Olympics. You, you must have started uh, when you were a, a young man. I'm not going to mention your age right now, but I mean, <laughs> you, 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 and, you and I are getting a little long in the tooth. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's not that bad. But you, you've been involved now, must be over 20 years as an athlete. Yes, it's, I think it's, it's over two years. I joined Special Mix in, in late nineties. So I started. I was I was in, at the school in in township in in Tsagane. and it's a, it's a special school. So you you know that uh, when you go up in in township, you have, you have lots of challenges. So I was I think I was was not I'm not uh, I was not the lead uh, lead athlete uh, at the time. And when special picks they they go they come to our school said that uh, they come and present sp about special picks and so that when we started uh, they they invited us for three days for for training so that the training was for for floki that's when I started didn't know what what the floki you know special when background come from township you, you had no idea what floor hockey. I didn't know floor hockey you've never heard of it before <laughs> yeah. but you, you've got quite a remarkable story and we'll get into that as uh, as, as we continue tonight but uh, Ansela Smith uh, Jimmy talks about uh, schools the involvement of, of Special Olympics uh, South Africa how, how broad is that reach in, in, in schools across the country now well, um, at the moment, we are actually active in all nine provinces, and we serve over 50,000 athletes across South Africa. So um, we've got a very broad reach. We, we work um, with most of the special needs schools um, and centers for out-of-school learners, um, and we recruit our athletes from there. Fantastic. Well, uh, we've got a very special guest on the line. Delighted to, to welcome President and Managing Director of Special Olympics uh, Africa Region, uh, Charles Nyambe on the line from uh, Namibia. Charles, thank you so much for, for making time for us uh, this evening. G good evening to you. Uh, good evening, thank you. I appreciate uh, being on the call. It's it's great to chat to you as, as somebody who's effectively in charge of the entire continent. Uh, you, you must have many challenges as, as president and managing director, but how challenging is it firstly to, to change perceptions uh, across the continent? Um, actually, yes, though that would maybe look at uh, as a challenge, uh, it is one of our, um, you know, what makes us, gives us energy to wake up every morning. Uh, because uh, we, uh, people with intellectual disabilities, even in uh, developed uh, countries today, um, they're still discriminated against. So, so we, we, in order to to bring the, uh, you know, this message across uh, the world, and uh, especially in Africa, where um, intellectual disabilities are associated in in, in some of Africa with the witchcraft and so on and so forth. We have to change these perceptions in, in, in so many communities that we live in. And uh, we, uh, as you know, sport is an is a, is a, is a, is a instrument that we use to, to, to show people, to showcase this and to bring people nearer and bring this message to, to life. So every day when we wake up and achieve this, that people have come to understand that people with intellectual disabilities just have a slight dif difference between between me and and and, and the next person. Um, that's that's all. It, that's what it is all about. And when they see that it's just these differences, but we're all the same, and they can compete and even play better sometimes with those and achieve other things better than those that do not have disabilities. People get to get it. We have mothers, for instance, that have come out. They were ashamed of their own children. Mm. 
by testimonies where mothers have come out and they're proudly pointing at the child and say, that's my child, because now the child has a gold medal around their neck. So it's an exciting moment to see these these transitions happening in our community. Uh, I must say, yeah, it's it's incredible some of the ch- turnaround work that, that that you have done in in that regard. But uh, you know, you you are you're not blind to the fact that that there are many people that are suffering from intellectual disabilities that are kept in chains or locked in cages or kept in tiny rooms uh, and that is a reality uh, across not just Africa but across uh, a number of continents. There, there seems to be uh, a, a marginalization of people with intellectual disability. To go into regions like that, do you need special people, special programs, special volunteers to convince or change such a deep set perception? Um, you are absolutely right regarding, um, you know, the, you, you know that we still have a large, large, large population in Africa of people that are, that are still chained. In fact, recently we had, um, you know, we, we've unchained somebody in a, in, a, in Tanzania in a in a camp, a yeah. refugee camp. The mother was chaining that that child with an intellectual disability because the child. Uh, was uh, no, for, the mother was was doing that in order to protect the, ch- the child from you know getting away, getting lost, and so on and so forth. Um, we 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 made that change. But to to answer your question, uh, it does not really take any special people. It's the people that we train. Anybody is trainable. When you get into this organization and you get involved, many people get it because they they get to understand and they they become emp- emp- empathetic understand that it's about making a difference in somebody else's life. So the same volunteers and officials that we use, I used to be a basketball coach mm. for a traditional team, a university team, but uh, when I got involved in Special Olympics, I stopped coaching the traditional basketball. Not that my team was losing, but, for, but, but my team was doing well, but I got, I found a passion with people with intellectual disabilities that, hey, I didn't have to deal with attitudes. They, they, I, and I was, I was getting, I was getting satisfaction every day. So it's, it's because I received the kind of training that I needed. So we, all we need to do is to gather the right people, uh, speak to them, change their attitudes, bring them to the games, get to see the people that we work with. That hey, they are just like them, and when they, they are part of that, they have become ex- excellent, excellent volunteers. And those are the people that we utilize to go in these communities. Of course, you're right. There's certain uh, areas that are hardcore, where you have, you know, religious institutions that believe that this, you know, the people with intellectual disabilities have been cursed and they have to be prayed for and nothing can change them apart from that. We, we, we have to break those barriers. And it's not easy, it's difficult, but we have to be creative in order. How do we break those barriers? You may use sport, you may use health, because we, we also have health. We may we, we use other things. Unified sports is a big thing where you, you have those with and without intellectual disabilities playing together on the same field and 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 making them, you know, achieving inclusion. So there's so many tactics that we have to use. Get creative and and uh, and uh, penetrate those hardcore areas. And we've done that, but we still have a lot of work to to go. And uh, we appreciate, you know, you know, media that is really getting us, you know, out in the air to to, to ensure that we we get to get Special Olympics aired out there and people understand who we really are. Mr. Nyambe, if I could just ask you to hold on to the uh, line just a couple more minutes. We do need to get to a quick break, but we are shining the spotlight on Special Olympics who turned 50 just last month. We continue the talk with uh, Jimmy Ansela and uh, Romy in studio as well directly after this. Let's have the conversation. 0891-104-207. 25 minutes past seven on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. We are talking Special Olympics and shining the spotlight on uh, an organization that's uh, started over 50 years ago by Eunice Kennedy Shriver and has done remarkable things for people with intellectual disabilities. Just to go back to Charles Nyambe, President and Managing Director of Special Olympics Africa Region. Uh, Charles, if I could just uh, touch on the, pa- the, the fact that Special Olympics obviously has been growing throughout the Africa region uh, quite dramatically, particularly in southern and west Africa, very large footprint for Special Olympics. But there are some countries that are glaringly 
omitted from a list of countries that are involved in Special Olympics, and certainly North Africa seems to be very much um, uninvolved, should I say. How, how are you trying to, to grow Special Olympics reach across the entire continent? Yeah, I'll tell you, thank you so much for that question. I mean, uh, first and foremost, it is critical that leadership, you get the right leadership. Leadership, when, when you have selected the right leadership in a country to lead the Special Olympics Board of Directors, um, then you know you, you are, it's, a winning, it's a win. So selecting of leadership in a country that you are not aware of, that you don't know, is difficult. So that is the, the challenge that we normally have. But when we've finally um, made, made that breakthrough and we select leadership, then we go there with train coaches and introduce int- introduce uh, uh, Special Olympics. Secondly, um, the, the Africa region, when we talk about Special Olympics Africa region, it's not like the FIFA region. FIFA regions are five continents. Africa region has seven regions. Mm. Now, Africa excludes Africa region, which I'm responsible for, and Romy is responsible for, and Jimmy, uh, the Africa region, means excluding the the... The, the, the Middle East, North Africa, the, the mm. Arab-speaking countries. Uh, so we are sub-Saharan Africa, meaning that West Africa, Central Africa, and East Africa, and Southern Africa. That's the, that's what we call the Africa region in terms of the Special Olympics. And uh, of course, we we have a few countries, especially in West Africa, that do not have accredited, that are not accredited yet. Countries also need to get accredited every every two years. They have to renew their license with Special Olympics International. There are certain standards that they have to meet. So they, they have to understand, board of directors have to understand that this is a very well-organized institution and the rules have to be followed. So we ensure, we, we, we train these boards to ensure that they are accredited correctly. So those countries that are not yet, some of them may have had been accredited at one time but lost accreditation because they lost leadership or, or they, they, the, the, some of our conflict areas. You know, there are certain countries that have conflict and you can't run in, uh, Special Olympics in a country like that because you, you wouldn't even be able to go there. So we have these areas, but every day, every year, we are, we are pursuing countries and trying to, 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 to get them accredited create founding committees and and grow bigger and bigger. So it's really not right now. It's really not about, you know, uh, quick growth. It's about quality. And we're doing it. This year alone, we may have four new countries that are coming on board. Oh, that sounds like very positive and uh, forward steps, at least for Special Olympics in the Africa region. But uh, Mr. Charles Nyambe, uh, Managing Director and uh, President of the Africa region, thank you so much for your time this evening. We'll continue the discussion in studio with our three guests. So the uh, man uh, effectively in charge of the Africa region. Some positives, uh, Romy, that, that, that Charles mentions. But uh, what, what is remarkable, though, is uh, you know, when you look at Special Olympics across the world, uh, in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in, in Syria, war-torn countries, Special Olympics programs continue almost uh, unfazed. And it's, it's actually quite remarkable. And you, you, it, gives, it gives a sort of renewed hope and such positive uh, attitude towards what's happening and and just how positively Special Olympics can impact on on people and people's lives. Absolutely. Um, Looking back again to our founder, she she gave a very powerful speech saying that, you know, when you attend a Special Olympics Games and and you understand the message of Special Olympics, you see that it's not about wealth, weapons or power. Uh, The the true power of of what Special Olympics is bringing is about inclusion, about unity. And as a movement, we've always tried to be above politics, um, above uh, religious differences, above differences of ability, of, of gender, of race. And um, even when uh, countries are in conflict with each other, they can still compete in a Special Olympics event because uh, we, we remain apolitical. A Special Olympics, for example, Nigeria won't fly a Nigerian flag. They are um, they're their own entity and they are arranged under different ideals. So we can have an Afghanistan playing against a Special Olympics USA. We can have a Special Olympics Palestine uh, playing against Special Olympics Israel because we have uh, our athletes with and without intellectual disabilities that can meet with each other on that equal playing field and um, that sometimes remind us that all of the years of history and turmoil that divide us aren't as important as that which makes us fundamentally human. And we believe that uh, is, is the power and the message that our athletes have to share with the world.
That's a wonderful message of inclusion. Uh, Jimmy, I mean, as an athlete, though, I mean, over 20 years you've been uh, a part of the Special Olympics family. How different is it, though, now to, to over 20 years ago? I mean, things, things have changed rather rapidly socially, economically, um, since uh, in over 20 years. How have they changed for, for you? Uh, uh, the, the, there's a huge change. And, and from, from my family, from community, even personal, uh, uh, there's there's a huge change, so especially especially to my family. So although they're in uh, even community, so they're starting now on to see that uh, it's not it's not about disability, it's about ability. Mm. Uh, now and there's a huge change, and you know when there's change, there's there's challenges. Mm. So now when it's no longer about Jimmy, it's about that athlete is back there in township or in rural areas that they lock them. How did it change your your life? I mean, you you were sent to a, a special school. You 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 know, did it did it did it change your confidence? Did it change your uh, perspective of the world? And what has you know sort of travel given you? And 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 being somebody who's developed into an official as well as an athlete. Uh, I think before as uh, because when you know that when you get born, our parents they expect could be. Could Mandela, Eunice Kenneth Driver, or one of the successful men's sporting could be Casta, Brazilian, could be could be anyone. So they want their their kids to be successful. So when the kids they found out that you have disability, there's there's that question mark. Why why me? So we know that uh, especially black communities they they believe that uh, if we have kids with disabilities is a case. Or someone done something to you, or maybe is a is a punishment from God. All of those things. So now, and we need to. So the challenge was, how can your family to adopt? So even me, the challenge is to assess myself. So special, but you know that uh, when they need to start from families, from families, I need to assess myself. So it's so difficult. I must say, you know the the name that they are using. Um, even special Olympics, there's a campaign that we they did. The, we don't longer use uh, Arwed. That's why in special Olympics we use athlete to just destroy all those names that Arwed, all of those names that they find them, they call us in township. And so if I can get to you, J- Jimmy <laughs> mentioned the name Mandela. And I, I yes. know Madiba had quite, quite a link with Special Olympics and as CEO of Special Olympics South Africa. Just describe his, his role, his participation. So... Um, uh, Mandela was actually quite friendly with Eunice Kennedy Shriver and um, he got introduced to the program through Eunice Kennedy and he was actually the person who brought Special Olympics to South Africa. Um, it was his doing. He got involved and he almost insisted that a program get started here. Um, and it's been so exciting for us to to be able to celebrate his centenary as well as 50 years of Special Olympics yeah. um, because, um, you know, what he speaks to and what Special Olympics speaks to um, you know, one and the same in so many ways. Um, so we were absolutely thrilled to be able to um, light up the statue, the Mandela statue in Santon Square on on the eve of our anniversary, um, you know, to, to show our acknowledgement of Mandela and the role that he played. And what was really interesting um, was in 2001, he actually went to Robben Island and lit the flame of hope, mm. which is our torch on Robben Island. And we were able to reenact that uh, at Mandela Square. Um, because they had a sort of symbolic jail cell, which was there as well. So it, it just all came together. I mean, it was it was a phenomenal um, experience. Phenomenal experience, yeah. But uh, it was started by this phenomenal woman, as you say, had an impact even on uh, Nelson Mandela in terms of uh, his association with, with uh, Special Olympics. But uh, World Games is, is the sort of major sporting event of the Special Olympics. Yes. And the next one is March next year. Absolutely. Abu Dhabi, here we come. Yes, we do. But Team South Africa, we, we, I presume we're sending a Team South Africa? How yes, big is this are, team? We are sending 72 athletes okay. um, that are competing in six different sporting codes across. Um, hugely excited. We had a very successful national games this year. We had over 700 athletes competing in our national games. Um, and we are advancing that team of 72. With coaches included, it will be a delegation of over 100 that we're sending through to compete. And uh, we know that we're going to be competing with over 180 countries and over 7,000 athletes when we reach Abu Dhabi. 
So it's, it's, it's a sizable event because, I mean, yes, I, I work at the Olympic mm-hmm. Games and, uh, you know, you're only looking at 10,000 athletes. The seven, and, and the logistics are bonkers, absolutely mind-blowing when you, when you think about it. So, so 7,000 athletes and uh, various officials and that thrown into the mix is, is logistically, it's, it's massive. So it gives an idea of the size of Special Olympics. But, Romy, if I can get you to, to give us a little background here, how is it possible financially to get Special Olympics uh, or continue the, the involvement of Special Olympics because uh, there, there is not a lot of money from, uh, from I suppose, the governments and, and, and sponsors that are being thrown towards um, the organization. But I presume there is some support. But where, where does the financial backing come from? Well, it's an, it's an excellent question. Uh, today, uh, as 50 years ago, unfortunately, people with intellectual disabilities are amongst the most discriminated against populations in the world, whether it comes to access to health care, to education, to basic social services, never mind the right to play a sport, mm. which, as we know from the United Nations, it is um, a human right, the, the ability to play sport and to, uh, to de- develop physical fitness, to demonstrate that courage, to experience joy. Um, I don't have to tell you, Dwayne, who has seen uh, firsthand the power of sport across mm. almost all the continents in the world uh, from every level, from the peak of, of Olympic excellence down to, um, down to the grassroots. Uh, the, the ability to provide what Special Olympics does, and um, uh, just to say, you know, although we have our World Games, which are the big wow moments, that those are about 1% of what Special Olympics does because really we are year-round sports training and athletic competition um, in what we hope to be every community uh, around the world. And um, that is really where it starts, at that local level. And um, we are a completely volunteer-driven organization. Uh, almost everyone that is involved in Special mm. Olympics does so because they have a heart for it. Um, we rely on our volunteers, we rely on our coaches, our family members, our siblings, our partners, our donors. And uh, yes, as, as, as the world advances and, and perceptions advance, we, we can look to, to governments for support to provide the same services to people with intellectual disabilities that they've been providing to other sectors of their population. But the need and the gap is still immense. Uh, especially in African countries, you might find uh, certain African countries that do not even recognize the existence of intellectual disabilities mm. in legislation. And when you don't even have a language uh, to discuss that, that sector of your population that very much exists, because we know, uh, according to the World Health Organization, that uh, about 2% of the world's population has an intellectual disability. So that's about 200 million people. So the need is huge. We only reach about 5.2 million athletes, Mm. uh, which is an immense number on the resources that we have, but we don't want a single athlete left behind. Uh, Special Olympics within each country, we'll take Special Olympics South Africa as an example, has uh, complete uh, independence to fundraise for itself and to sustain its program for itself. Its board of directors uh, operate on a completely volunteer basis and it's up to them to find the partnerships and to to think creatively to provide the best quality of service to our athletes as they can. And um, help comes from a thousand different sectors. I think there's no one that we can say to them, um, you can't help Special Olympics. Mm. Absolutely, it comes from from every source and every corner we have our clinical directors which are our physicians and doctors that provide free health cl- uh, health screenings to athletes we have ordinary um, parents and teachers that come forward and say i want to be a special olympic certified coach um, we have volunteers that uh, work at events to make sure it's the best possible experience for our athletes uh, it's it's really incredible what the special olympics movement can achieve um, with so little the impact it has. And that's really what uh, we've learned from Eunice Kennedy Shriver is uh, with the right will and uh, with the right goals in mind, uh, it is possible to bring people together and to reach just one more athlete and get them onto the sports field. So the need is huge. Uh, and we, we certainly uh, have a lot of need in Africa region specifically. Um, but I, I think we do incredible work with very little. But there's, there's so much that someone can do to get involved and... Um, you can see from the smallest donation, the smallest gift, the one afternoon of your time, the impact that you have, uh, it keeps you coming back. That's at least something as a Special Olympics family, uh, we can attest that once you see Special Olympics, you're hooked, you get it. 
um, and uh, it'll it'll keep you coming back. And and that's really what sustains our organisation over fifty years, and we hope for for many many more years. I hope so indeed, but plenty effort behind the scenes. I can I can confirm as well. It's not uh, it's not simply volunteers. It's people with genuine passion that drives uh, and motivates uh, the, the help and the uh, and and really the, the the leadership that you see behind the scenes as well. It's incredible. Talk more about that in a moment. We go to a quick break on SAFM. 90 minutes to 7 on uh, SFM. This is Sport on. Dwayne DeLocker in for Tavisa Musia tonight. You can tweet us at SAFM Radio, hashtag SFM Sport on. Uh, SMS 40938, call us 0891 WhatsApp 0614 or SMS 40938. Use the hashtag SFM Sport on. We're talking Special Olympics 50 year anniversary. Quite incredible. Um, so much I want to talk about, but uh, but 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 I don't think we're going to have an opportunity to get through all of it tonight. But I think Romy was talking about just the incredible leadership behind the scenes that, that we do see, and I, I know I've experienced some of the, the the people who are just incredibly motivated to help. They're generous with their time, with their money, and 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 provide real opportunities. But uh, from a South African perspective, um, Ansela, how does anyone what? who wants to get involved get involved whether they want to find out uh, about becoming an athlete or, or have a family member who was, wants to be an athlete or somebody who wants to perhaps be a volunteer or a coach and uh, maybe even uh, help beyond that how do they get involved well i mean it's really easy um, people just need to get in touch with us um Right now, you know, people, I think the easiest thing is to just send people to our Facebook page, which is Special Olympics South Africa on Facebook. All the details for our organization are there. Um, and people can phone or leave a message uh, on Facebook and just reach out and we'll get back to them. Um, I think the most important thing to, to say to people who want to get involved is that there's no kind of prerequisite for, for what you need to offer. We really just believe whatever you love, whatever you're passionate about, share that with a Special Olympics athlete. I, I want to ask from a personal perspective, broader terms, how, how does Special Olympics benefit lives beyond the sports field? Because, yes, you've got the, the children that come and they have a, a great day, for example, on a sports field. How do, how do Special Olympics benefit the lives beyond that? Well, I think that the whole idea with Special Olympics is that we're looking at the community as a whole and not just specific athletes. So when we work within a community, we work um, with community members, number one, to create awareness about Special Olympics. We also work with family members to educate them around the needs of people with intellectual disabilities. Um, we work with teachers, we work with um, community structures. So it's way more involved than just the actual athlete themselves. And also, as you mentioned, we have a huge health program. We've got another couple of initiatives that we run. Um, we develop athlete leaders. We have something called youth activation. So get into it, where we encourage youth to become advocates. And we talk to them about inclusion and what the issues are around discrimination and, and um actually give them the opportunities to to advocate for Special Olympics. Um, so I think that we really try to look at it holistically and look at the athlete holistically and look at the environment and the community that they're in and how we as Special Olympics can improve their lives on every single level. Jimmy, as somebody who's been involved across all those levels that I spoke about, from athlete to official to uh, somebody who's part of the administration, effectively, of Special Olympics Africa, uh, do you feel it's an organization that's, that's, I suppose, given a voice to the previously powerless? And, and, and from your perspective, what is that power of the Special Olympics? Uh, uh, I think uh, there's, a, there's a huge change, then, especially from where you come from. There's so many that they they advance from locally to national, from national to to international. There's that voice uh, awareness campaign that there's there's people with disability. You know that the challenge is people when you speak about disability, especially in they don't understand. They want mm. to see a person that doesn't on the wheelchair or physical. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So they are trying to to, to do more awareness about the disability because if I'm Jimasin, I would say I have disability. I have to explain. So, that's right. Yeah, because when they see me, yes. you look physically fit. Ex- exactly. So exactly. That, that's the challenge. So, what I, what they they do especially because they try to Volca that there is interest in disability. I, I want to ask you about the World Games as well because uh, you're somebody who has an incredible record as an official at the World Games. And Jimmy, every time I see you, you have a smile on your face. But every time I see a photo of you officiating, 
at the World Games, you oh. look very serious. <laughs> <laughs> you, it's, it's about the only time I ever see you serious. <laughs> well, you know that when 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 you're on the beach, uh, yeah, so like uh, you need to you need to focus. If otherwise you don't focus, you're gonna miss some of the sport and. And you know some of the foul that you're gonna miss, but if you're on your focus, uh, you even the athlete will see that uh, your, your body language tells that you are focused. Otherwise, you're gonna lose. And you you are very focused. I love it. But you you excited about uh, Abu Dhabi next year? Uh, I must say I'm, I'm 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 excited, and I know that uh, most of the especially South Africa, the, the I was uh, I was on national game and the the university team. So the so the athlete that they're excited that some of them their first time to to go international to be in the flight they mm. didn't think that they come to 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 national game to participate so you know they focus that to 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 advance that that's the life changing it's something that some of them at least gets gonna happen once in their lifetime some of them in their families there's no one that flies to go to overseas but they have person to be in the house. You know that vibe change the the way they think. I said, okay, now and they t- they change focus. I said, okay, let's focus. What is going on? Okay, <laughs> they change the house and, and the vibe. Changing the house. And there's a big smile on your face now. But again, you're going to be refereeing somewhere, floor hockey, and you're going to have this serious face <laughs> on. <laughs> Romy, let's let's talk about the the broader impact that I, that I mentioned with uh, with Ansela. Uh Charles Nyambe spoke about this 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 child who was literally chain in chains in Tanzania is going to be going to the World Games in, in Abu Dhabi next year. I mean, that, that is just a, an incredible number of small steps that need to be taken for, for, for this to happen. And Special Olympics interest is so much broader than simply on the sports field, as Ansela explained. But I was amazed to read of the, I mean, the, the medical uh, support is just—it's astonishing yeah. how large it is, uh, and and free medical healthcare administered. I don't think there's a larger organisation or in that, in those terms. Uh, no, you're completely right. We are the largest public health organisation uh, in the world for people with intellectual disabilities, and um, the need couldn't be greater than amongst our population. When we do screenings, which we do across nine different disciplines, whether it be um, uh, vision, uh, dental care. Um, physiotherapy, we see that uh, far more than other people in the population of any other random sample, we have athletes that have never been taken for an eye test, um, athletes that have tooth decay, athletes that um, are either under or overweight, that have low bone density, poor balance, uh, a lot of things that impact on their quality of life and what they're able to to achieve and offer to their society simply because their basic health care needs aren't being met like uh, any other human being in a society. So uh, we find health critical, of course. Um, as, uh, as a sportsman yourself, you know that when you are not well, you, you simply can't compete and you mm. certainly can't compete at your best. And uh, we bring the health aspect more and more uh, as a fundamental building block of, of Special Olympics and what we offer as a sports organization. In terms of uh, in terms of Ansela, the future for for Special Olympics South Africa, what what does it hold? What's the immediate aim? What are the what are the little uh, goals that you you've set for yourself uh, in the immediate future? Well, I mean, I think for us it's growth, growth, and more growth. We yeah. understand that we can currently reach fifty thousand athletes. We know that there's over three million people with intellectual disabilities cool. in South Africa. So we have a long way to go. So I think for us, I mean, those are the goals. I mean, short term, you know, we have. Um, we have world games every two years. Uh, we have national games every two years. But um, our priority is really expanding the reach that we have and, and trying to get to as many of those three million athletes as we possibly can. That's incredible. I, I, it's, uh, some of the figures astonish me sometimes. And uh, I, I mean, it's, it's remarkable work that you're doing, but it's, it's only a small percentage of athletes that are currently involved. And I, I didn't realize how, how stark that divide was and how, how significant those, the, those numbers were. Yeah, it's incredibly significant. I think also specifically because um, there's so few records on people with intellectual disability in South Africa. No one has really the right stats mm-hmm. and the right data. I think we're probably the only organization currently in South Africa that is doing data collection on people with intellectual disabilities in the country. So we know that our footprint is still very small. 
We've got to go to a quick break. At uh, One Day Leader, the search for One Day Leader is now on SABC One and SABC Education, searching for that young person who has the ability to lead Mzanzi into a better tomorrow. If you are between the ages of 18 and 25 and believe that you have what it takes, visit www.sabc1.co.za to enter One Day Leader, discovering tomorrow's leaders today. Closing date has been extended to the 17th of August. Hashtag SAFM Sport On. SFM Sport on. Uh, this is Dwayne Delocke in for Tabisa Musia tonight, taking you up to 8 o'clock. And we're only 8 minutes to 8. Uh, we're talking 50th uh, year uh, anniversary of Special Olympics and the remarkable work that has been done in studio with uh, with three uh, remarkable people in uh, in terms of effort and ability to, to help Special Olympics. Ansela Smith, CEO of Special Olympics South Africa in studio. Jimmy Messino is an athlete, football uh, official, staff member of uh, Special Olympics Africa and indeed marketing communications manager of Special Olympics Africa, Romy Reinecke. Um Romy, the, 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 the uptrend, the, the, this remarkable upswing of, of involvement has is, is, is risen all across the world. And I think the last really high-profile ambassador from an African perspective, Didier Drogba, uh, is now uh, an ambassador for um, Special Olympics uh, globally. And I mean, he's, he's an icon. He's a man who's regarded as a man that almost single-handedly brought about the end of a civil war in, in Côte d'Ivoire. His, his power, his reach is, is incredible based on his ability as a, as, as a footballer. These are the people, uh, and there are many across the world that are at the very peak of the, the game that are getting involved. The involvement of ambassadors and their role in trying to spread that reach and, and take away any stigma that's attached to intellectual disability, how important is that? It's completely critical. Um, it's completely critical. Uh, with uh, Didier Drogba, that has been such a, an amazing door opener for us. Of course, Drogba is a game changer on and off the field, a voice for peace, a voice for understanding. And um, uh, he he's a good example of exactly what um, the champions and ambassadors for Special Olympics in the form of celebrities, sports players, uh, government leaders can do to spread the Special Olympics message. Uh, Drogba got involved of his own accord uh, with Special Olympics Cote d'Ivoire, um, Special Olympics Ivory Coast, that is, uh, f- as far back as 1995. Uh, to He is one that very intuitively sees the power of sport to break down barriers and uh, to, to let people with, with different backgrounds interact with each other on an even playing field and um, and and see the potential of that, especially for young people. And he has such a heart uh, for his home country, uh, a heart for the youth and a heart for a better future. So it's been such a, a natural and, and an easy partnership with him looking at our athletes globally and how he can give them a voice uh, because he sees himself as, as incredibly privileged with the experiences that he's had through sports and he just uh, can't, can't help himself, but he wants to give back and, and, and bring everyone along with him on this incredible journey uh, that, that he's had. So we had him with us at our 50th anniversary celebrations, which took place in Chicago last month. It was exactly 50 years ago on the Soldier Field Stadium that the first Special Olympics took place on 20th of July. And we were very privileged to to be back there to uh, have an eternal flame of hope monument, which is, of course, the Olympic flame that we light before every event uh, set up in, in, in for eternity uh, as, as a physical monument in Chicago. Uh, we had our unified football cup. So it was fantastic to have Drogba there for a celebrity match. Uh, we had our torch run. Um, we had a Global Day of Inclusion Festival, a star-studded concert, which again, we had other ambassadors. Chance the Rapper was there. He was there. Uh, so <laughs> was uh, Usher, Jason Mraz. We had a, a, an just incredible musical talent as well that was adding their voice, uh, saying that they believe in a more inclusive society and they stand with Special Olympics uh, in, in making that happen. So uh, we're excited for the future. We're excited that so many people have seen our vision and that our athletes have gotten a message to them that that they'll never forget and uh, they want to know what they can do to be involved. So uh, along with Drogba and many other names, uh, we're hoping to to reach many more athletes and to reach many more people that um, have never experienced uh, the joy and courage and the sharing of gifts that can come from people with and without intellectual disabilities interacting together on the same basis in families, communities, on sports fields, in classrooms, and um, top to bottom in, in every area of society. 
And so I want to get back to you briefly. Yes, sure. Upcoming events. Yes. H- so how many do you have? What do you have? So Give us some of the highlights. I have one very, very special event that I want to actually chat to you about tonight. Since Romy's mentioned ambassadors, we um, are the first African country, in fact, the only African country currently that's doing a, what's called the polar plunge. It's huge in the States. Jump into the cold water. Freezing, freezing water. Yes, that's yes. right. So Been there, done that. Lady Gaga's <laughs> done it for us. Um, I'm not sure who else, so Romy. There's quite a few celebrities. We brought it to South Africa for the first time last year, and we uh, posted the plunge at King David School last year. And we had Mark Fish, Gareth McLennan, Lutsejo, no, Lutsejo didn't make it, Lerato Pajo. So a huge bunch of celebrities, including our uh, very own chairperson, Dr. Matthews Porsa, who was the first person to take the plunge for Special Olympics. So I actually want to challenge you right now, 25th of August at uh, Parktown Boys High School. Uh, we'll be hosting our second polar plunge and we would love to have you plunge i, I can tell hey, you hey. now that i'm not i'm not in town no. on the 25th of august unfortunately no, i'm devastated I, 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 i'm not against it however i mean it's no secret you're gonna have to nominate my, somebody my father plunge. my father is swiss and my brother and i have done uh, have done this before in switzerland in minus 30 odd degrees celsius which is uh, which is ridiculously cold uh but but oh, uh, love it, yes. it is uh, my, my father swears by it he swears polar plunge are, are, are great for your health and, and for your ability jimmy uh, just just Give us a, a, a brief word. What, what are you looking forward to for, for Special Olympics uh, in the future? What does it hold for, for you and the organization? Mm, uh, for me, uh, I need to see, uh, hope that I'm going to be part of celebrating another 50 years. Of course, we have going to have 100 years and change the mindset of people in South Africa. Be and be, when I'm saying Jim Masina, interest just be not people that they will be surprised or talk about special bigs. What special bigs? Mm. Uh, that's my hope that people don't understand what special bigs. What is intellectual disability? Mm-hmm. Rabbi, I want to give final word to you. Just uh, briefly, if there's anything we haven't touched on specifically that you'd like to get across to to our audience. In a minute, go. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, our overall vision is really uh, to end discrimination against people with intellectual disabilities, but it's much more than that. As we launch our next 50 years, we are seeing an inclusion revolution uh, taking over the globe where differences such as disability and, uh, you know, as we look around societies today, I think we, we see the that we're more divided in some ways. We can see that in South Africa than we have been in the past. And the message of inclusion that our Special Olympics athletes are bringing to us could never be more critical. And uh, we'd love you to find out more. We'd love you to get involved. As Ansela says, we're on Facebook. Special Olympics Africa region is too. And um, and come and join us. Uh, come and see what it's about. And uh, we, we promise you, you, won't, you won't be disappointed. You'll be hooked for life. That's what we believe in Special Olympics. <laughs> Absolutely. No. Uh, when you when you see what is uh, what is achieved, and uh, when you re- just just the figures alone will astonish you uh, in, in in just how incredibly the the organisation is going. But I congratulate you all for your involvement, and, and thank you for your involvement. I mean, it's, it really has been. Uh, well, do I say an inclusion revolution in recent times? And I, I, long may it continue. As Jimmy says, he wants to see the hundredth uh, milestone come up. As uh, Jimmy Massina. But my thanks to uh, Ansela uh, Smith, to Jimmy Massina. You, Romy Renica, and for, absolutely, for and, us. and a warm thanks to you, Dwayne, for the platform. We really appreciate it, and we appreciate the listeners. Thank you. Thank you very much. Coming up between eight and ten p.m., Ashraf Garda with a viewpoint. But I hope you've enjoyed uh, talking Special Olympics fifty-year celebration. Just unfortunate that time comes uh, time comes up so quickly. That said, it's time for me to be out of here. Thank you for listening to Sport on tonight. I'll be back tomorrow between seven and eight. But for me, Dwayne Delaka from producer Luulam Kalipi and Zama Klebi, the uh, sound engineer, it's uh, goodbye. Eight o'clock.